Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. All right, how's everybody doing today? You ready for some Thanksgiving turkey? All right, well good, me too. Uh, let's recite our mission statement. It's to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that we come into this personal, intimate relationship with Him, and we grow in that, and uh, we yield our hearts and lives to Him. And let's look at our, our vision, which is to make disciples who will impact the world with the love of Christ. That's our, that's our target. That's our goal. And God has chosen us to do that. And so it's interesting, today I'm going to be talking about love. So uh, I think this is probably last week and this week and next week are some of my favorite chapters in the, in the book uh, or the letter of 1 Corinthians. So I hope you'll join us next week. We've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, which are so incredibly important that we receive, that we understand. And as I talked about last week, I think that's one of the topics that causes such dissension and, and division and confusion in the body of Christ, but it's so vitally important. And so I want us to understand what the Word says, not what we think it says or not what we've been told, but what does the Word tell us about the gifts? And then that we would operate in those gifts because those gifts are for us today, and they're life-changing and life-impacting. So over the past few weeks, we, we've been unpacking Paul's teachings uh, about the gifts from the Holy Spirit to us. And maybe you've noticed that there's a correlation there between the gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit to and for us, but the connecting point is love. That's what it's all about. It's all about love. It's not about the gifts, uh, but it's about coming into this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, and then that impacts every part of our lives. So I want to start with verse... 31 in, uh, let me see, in, in uh, chapter 12, verse 31. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And so Paul, he kind of sandwiches this chapter on love in between his teaching in chapter 12 and chapter 14, where he's teaching on the gifts from the, the Holy Spirit. And then right in the middle of that, the heart of that is love, ver, uh, chapter 13. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, verse 13, one says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is the target, not the gifts. And I think sometimes in the church, we see people get hung up on the giftings. But what about love? Because if I could do all these things, but did not have love, let's read on in verse 2. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but did not love others, I would be nothing. Verse 3, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. The gifts are valuable. We know that faith is important. We know that uh, we sang about it a while ago. Moving mountains, God moving the mountains is important, but love is greater. Let's begin to look at the definition, God's definition of, 
and demonstration of love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13.4. I know we've heard these scriptures and I know we've read them, but let's slow down a little bit. Let's just slow down. Love is patient and kind. Patient. Love is patient. Are you patient? That's not one of my strong points, honestly. <laughs> what about kind? Are you kind? Uh, sometimes I'm kind. You know, when things are going my way, I'm pretty kind. I'm pretty happy. But these are the things that, that these are really the definition of love. And when I look at, when I just stop at these two, I have to examine my own life. And what's the love I'm demonstrating? Am I patient? Uh... Am I patient when I'm going down I-45 and somebody's trying to cut me off? Am I kind? Do I let them in? Let's read on. Uh, verse 4 continues, Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love is not jealous. <clears throat> they got a brand new fill in the blank. Are we jealous of when other people are blessed or, or get new things or get a new job or get a promotion? <laughs> Maybe that you thought you should get? Ha, huh, boy, we're, we're, this is where the rubber meets the road here today, isn't it? You guys are really quiet. So am I. Uh, love doesn't boast. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Love doesn't display pride. Love demonstrates humility are you humble you know we we talk about our core values here at life fellowship you know what they are love prayer obedience humility teachability unity and service are we humble are we teachable verse 5 says i want to stop at the first two words here or rude we're talking about love have you ever been rude of course you have who hasn't been rude Love is not rude. Rudeness, I believe, as I was thinking about this, um, rudeness can be the result or, or the fruitfulness of our woundedness. It can be the result of our impatience. It can be the result of our unkindness, our jealousy, our boastfulness, our pride. Some of the things we just talked about, rudeness can come from some of those things. Verse 13.5 continues, it does not demand its own way. Love prefers others. Love yields to others. Now, let me be clear. We're not talking about compromise. We're not compromising our, our faith or our, our relationship with the Lord. But sometimes we just, it's okay to prefer somebody else and go see the movie that they want to see or go to the restaurant that they want to go to, right? And so love yields to others. Verse 5 continues, it's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. Love is not easily agitated. <laughs> Boy, I'm preaching to somebody. I think I'm preaching to me today. Love keeps no records of being wronged. Oh, man, come on. I know I'm hitting somebody today. Oh, love keeps no record of being wronged. Well, I remember 18 years ago... <laughs> That's probably keeping a record of something here, right? And we talked about forgiveness. Man, forgiveness is so key that we forgive one another because I can promise you, you've needed some forgiveness. Amen. So are we forgiving to others? 
And forgiving someone doesn't mean, we've talked about this a lot, that, it, oh, well, it was okay. What you did it was okay. It doesn't mean that. But what it means is that we've chosen to forgive them and, and let God deal with it. And the thing that happens when we let that go, when we really begin to forgive people, every time we think about their name or every time we see their car drive by, those old emotions and all that stuff doesn't rage within us because it no longer owns a piece of us. That's the thing about unforgiveness. It still has a part of our heart. The thing that we don't want, it really has. But when we begin to forgive and let those things go, that thing is gone from our heart. And so we see them drive by, we see them at the store or whatever, and, and those old emotions and, and things don't, that anger and resentment doesn't rise up. So forgiveness is important. And when we're holding people accountable, for, or, or you know, we're having things in our heart, I'm not saying not hold them accountable, but when we're holding things in our heart where we've been wronged, that, is, that can consume us. So love keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Why would someone rejoice over injustice? Well, maybe if, if somebody was unjustly accused, we're kind of glad because we didn't like them anyway, and we're kind of glad to see them get deemed on something. Or this could come from competition or jealousy or pride or insecurity. But, you know, maybe you've been in a situation, and let, let's be honest here today, okay? And maybe somebody, you're in school, and somebody comes up and says, oh, man, I failed the test. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes! <laughs> well, I'll be praying for you. That you fell again! You know, and so what is our heart in this? Is that love? <laughs> Come on now, I know you've done that too. I know you felt that too. <laughs> but we should be empathetic. That's love. I'll pray for you that you do better this time, and I'll try to mean it. You know, that's love, and love is the most powerful force in the universe, man. So that's why this, this, um, Intimate, personal relationship with Jesus is so important that we experience this love, that we get filled with his love, and that we can go and share that. If we're living honorable lives of integrity, we should rejoice when truth wins out and when lies are exposed. Because Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. And so we want to live lives of integrity and honesty and, uh, and, and live this thing out where people look at us and say, you know, I really like them. They demonstrate love. They demonstrate grace. They have integrity in their life. And there's somebody that I could choose to model my life after because I see somebody that really lives this Christian life out. They don't just talk about it. They go out and live it. Verse 7, love never gives up. There, there are people that have been rude, hurtful, backstab me in the back that I still pray for today? And is it because I'm such a wonderful person? No, not really. <laughs> it's because I know what it's like to receive grace. I know that God never gives up on me. And, and I've been on that side of the fence where I need to extend grace, but I've also been on the other side of the fence where I need some grace where I've talked about somebody, where I've stabbed them in the back, where I've thrown them under the bus. We've all been there. 
But you know what? It's this love that can bring us back into proper alignment with God's heart and his desire for our lives. Because we're going to go through those things. Those kinds of things are going to happen. But we don't have to be a part of that. We don't have to be the one throwing someone under the bus or hurting someone. We can be the, the ones taking a higher road and saying, you know what, that was wrong, but I'm going to choose to love them anyway. I'm going to choose to forgive them. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. I think it was either from Christopher or on the radio. Uh, this, this was brought up, uh, Bible study. Don't dig up and doubt the things planted in faith. Don't dig up and doubt the things planted in faith. So if God has given you faith for something, then continue to, to seek him and believe him. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is a definition of faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. If we have it in our hand, that, it doesn't take any faith for that, right? It takes faith for us to believe the word of God when he gives us a promise we sang about it. That's such a great song that we did this morning. Do it again. You know, because his promises are true. And we, we don't always see the, uh, what's going to happen, but that's where our faith comes in, where we trust God. Let me, let me read the scripture in the New American Standard Bible as well. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So sometimes it takes faith to wait on the things of the Lord and wait on the promises of God that he's given to us. Verse 7 continues, love is always hopeful. Many times this word for hope means to expect or to trust. Love is expectant. You know, maybe you've said this or maybe you've heard somebody say this. Well, I hope God provides a job for you. I kind of hope, you know, it's kind of like throwing your cares in the wind. Well, I'll throw this out there. and I hope it lands right. But it should be, well, I know God will work all things out, and I'm expecting him to give you the job that's going to be best for you. So do you see the difference there? When, when we have an expectation, it's not just throwing our cares to the wind and saying, well, I hope this works out, but I'm expecting, I'm trusting. That's what that word means. And so we're still looking at the attributes of love here. Verse 7 continues, love endures through every circumstance. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the circumstances because we can all get caught up in the circumstances and, and get anxious and upset about things and worried about things. But how is that faith? How is that trust? Especially if we've gotten a word from God and God has said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And then it takes faith to walk that thing out and stay connected to him and not dig up and doubt what was planted in faith. So love endures through every circumstance. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages. I want to stop here because I wanted to go back. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to clarify a couple of things. In talking about unknown languages, I believe unknown languages can be languages that are known by men, but someone is able to supernaturally speak that language. And I talked a little bit about this last week. So if I began uh, to be able to speak in German or French, something that I don't naturally know, I think that that can be an unknown language because it's unknown to me. Now it's known to somebody else. 
Uh, let, and we looked at this last week, but again, I, wanna, I just want to make sure that we're clear on some things here. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 4, 7, and 8. And this is on uh, when, when all these believers were together and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began spe- speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them disability. In verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. So these individuals were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in known languages that, uh, uh, to others that they naturally did not know. Now, I've, I've talked with my wife about this, and, and I, I'm not sure how this happened. You know, I, I really don't know how this happened. If, if they were actually speaking in the language that was being heard or somehow from the, from the time it was coming out of their mouth, something was happening and they were hearing in their own language. I don't know how this happened. And, and, you know, I'm not sure that the Bible is really clear. But what is clear is, to me, it doesn't matter. There was something supernatural that happened, and, and that's the key here. You know, they were able to hear in their own language, it says. And so uh, the Holy Spirit can do those kinds of things when and if we're open to him. And we'll, look more, we'll talk more about this next week, but I just wanted to bunny trail here for a second. Um, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. Wait a minute. Uh, let me go back to unknown languages here. Uh, the other thing is I believe unknown languages can be heavenly languages that are unknown to man, that the Holy Spirit can give us the ability to use. And we talked a little bit last week about praying in our prayer language about speaking in tongues and things like that. So I think it could be both. I think it could be a heavenly language that nobody really understands. Uh, And again, we'll talk more about that next week. But I just wanted to stop there and maybe clarify what what maybe wasn't so clear last week. Okay, so if you're more confused, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) um, Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. Well, why? Well, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any need for prophecy. The Lord's coming back. Oh, no, he's here right now. There's not going to be any need for prophecy, no need for speaking in unknown languages. And to me, this is further indication that the gifts are given for us today, for now. Because if we're not going to need them when we get to heaven, then when are they for? How about right now? So the gifts that God gives us, that the Holy Spirit, are for now. And... uh, so does anything remain forever? Let's read on. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Yeah. Love is here now, and the, the love that we share, the love that we give, the love that we receive has an impact in people's lives right now. There are people in your life that need to know the love of God. Maybe they just need a hug from you. Maybe they need to know that somebody cares about them and somebody loves them. They need that today. They don't need to wait till they get to heaven. They need that now. And so God can pour through our lives to touch and change lives in a powerful, powerful way. God is love. And that's the key, I think. When, if we could take the whole Bible and condense it down into one word, I think it would be love. That's what it's all about. Jesus came so that we could be brought back into this broken relationship with God. 
He gave his life. He sacrificed his life for us. That's love. Let's read on, verse 9. Now our knowledge and uh, oops, let me see. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will be use will become useless. So the Greek word for perfection here is teleion. It means complete, perfect, fully grown, having reached its end, completeness in Christian character. Now our knowledge and partial our, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. So there's going to come a time when the filters that we look through and the things that, that we see are, are going to be removed and we're going to see things in fullness because even prophecy is incomplete right now. I mean, we may give a word of prophecy, uh, you're going to get married, you're going to have 18 kids, whatever that looks like, but that's only, <laughs> that's only part of our life. But one day, everything is going to be revealed. And, uh, you know, pretend that you have like a five-year-old car or a 10-year-old car, whatever, and you buy some extra parts because you think you're going to need those parts. You know, you, you, maybe something you've taken off your car, you're thinking, man, I, I need to hang on to this because I may need it later. And then you find out that you have inherited the ownership of Alex Rodriguez Mercedes-Benz dealership. Are you going to need those parts anymore? Do you even need that 10-year-old car? No. If you own the dealership, you can drive a new Mercedes every week, every day. And if you need the oil change, if you need some parts, you just make an appointment and say, hey, can I get my car fixed or whatever? And so what is it like today? The things that we have today, the things that we hang on today are not going to be needed in the future. And, and so uh, one day we will see things more completely. So, you know, in heaven, we won't need the things that we need here on earth. Oh, well, Pastor Mark is going to preach today in heaven. What? I don't think so. Uh, we're going to have uh, an altar call and invite people to accept Jesus today. No, no, that won't be happening in heaven. Uh, there won't be any teaching or preaching about Jesus in heaven. Oh, well, he's right here. Why are we going to teach on him? You know, so the things that that we need now and the things that happen now are going to be different when we get to heaven. Now, there's one thing that I do believe that happens here that's going to be happening in heaven. Worship. Yeah. So this is good practice. This is good practice. If you don't like worship, I don't know. You may not like heaven too much because there's going to be a lot of worship going on. So this is our practice time, all right? And more importantly, it's not about the singing of the songs. It's not about getting the notes right and, and all of that. It's about our heart to worship. And I love you guys worshiping. I can hear you worshiping. And it's, what I hear is your heart because our hearts are being revealed as we worship. And when we have great worship like we did this morning, it just enhances that. Where we just enter in. We enter in. And I've shared this story with you before where... We have some friends that are praise and worship leaders, and, and they were in the Philippines, and the people there just loved to worship. They would be playing the guitar, and, and four or eight bars in, the guitar's out of tune. It didn't sound good, but their hearts were to worship God, and that's what he's looking for is our hearts and worship. 
So there's going to be a lot of that going on, and there's going to be more of that happening in this house starting not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday night. We're going to start doing prayer and worship every Wednesday night and Thursday morning. We're still doing that. So I hope you'll come and join us. It's a wonderful time where we just soak, we pray, we worship, and the presence of God just rest upon us. So I hope you'll, not this Wednesday, but that's going to start next Wednesday. Okay. Um, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So this series is what? Becoming mature believers. And that's my hope, is that we're growing and, and that we're being, uh, uh, becoming more mature. Um, I've shared this with you guys before. But whenever I teach, like if we go to India and we're teaching at a pastor's conference or something or here, there's three things that I want to do. I want to encourage. I want you to walk away encouraged. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be taught or trained. I want you to learn something. And I want you to be challenged. Every time, every Sunday, I want you to be challenged to look at your life and say, love is patient. Am I being patient? Love is kind. Or regardless of what I'm teaching, God, what are you showing me about my life? How can I reflect you more? How can I be a, a, a better um, example of the love of Christ? So I want us to, to take stock every week and say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are the things in my life? And what I see is I see us growing and maturing but there's always more and please understand this is not about performance it's not about performing it's about God's grace transforming our lives and so you know Romans 12 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect so it's coming God allowing God to bring our life into this place of healing and wholeness and relationship with him where we begin to think like uh, like the word tells us we should be thinking we we begin to understand who we are in christ and what we can do with his help and his power and that we begin to love people so that's that's the goal is that we grow up and become spiritually mature and as we do we we gain greater insight into our heavenly father and understanding about him his love for us his love for others. We develop this awesome relationship with Jesus, and it impacts every relationship in our lives. It impacts our marriages. It impacts our relationship with our children, our neighbors, our coworkers, the world around us. Let's look at verse 12. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So let's look at verse 8 again. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. When we get to heaven... We're not going to live in a sin-filled world. I, I think that we, we don't know what that's like because we've never 
not been in a sin-filled world. Uh, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed, sin entered into the world. And so that's all we've ever known. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be a different dynamic. We won't deal, be dealing with those things. And so we're going to see things differently. We're going to see things more clear. Think about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, when, they, when God created Adam and Eve, when he, he made Adam and then from the rib he made Eve, it, the Bible, go back and read this in Genesis. Uh, they were naked and they were unashamed. And the first thing that happens when they eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is they, they realize that they're naked and they're ashamed. Something happened. So this innocence that they had had now changed. And so whenever there's sin in the world, it's going to change the dynamics of how, how we live our lives because now there's a variable there that was never supposed to be there. So when we get to heaven, it's going to be different. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all become useless, but love will last forever. And so as we've discussed, the gifts of the Spirit from the Holy Spirit are for us today. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that don't believe that God gives the gifts today, that they were only for the, the 12 apostles. But we talked about it last week. Paul is writing to the church, and he's teaching on gifts. If they were not applicable to the church, why would he be teaching on them? It wouldn't make any sense. And he says, uh, we talked about it last week, that over and over again, he says, these are gifts given for the church. We are the church. We're still here today, I think. Um, so I don't want us to miss anything on earth while we're here on earth that the Lord wants to do through our life. And I think there may be people that will one day get to heaven and they'll say, you mean I could have prayed for my neighbor to be healed? I could have prayed and witnessed to my neighbor to be saved. I could have invited others to church and some would be in heaven today if, if I would have just reached out. I could have believed God's word and seen him move and, and make a radical difference in my life. You mean I, I could have lived that out? What does the word say? So are we coming into alignment with his word, his purpose, his plan, and what he says about us? Verse 12, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Verse 12 continues, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows just as God now knows me completely. So we're going to have an expanded understanding and comprehension beyond what we have now. That's what the Word says. Now how this works and, and all that, I don't know. But I'm just telling you what the Word says, and I believe it. Do you believe it? Do you receive the Word of God today? And then here's my favorite, my favorite verse of all time. These uh, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And uh, faith. Let's talk a little bit about faith. 11.6. We sang about it today. Nothing is impossible with God. Right? Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is what? Impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So we accept Christ into our lives in faith. We believe that we are forgiven in faith. Right? We believe God's promises in faith. Uh, we pray expectantly in faith. 
So faith is important. Hebrews 6, 11, 6 continues. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. That's kind of dull, right? Duh, hello, yeah, of course. You must believe that God exists to come to him. But how many times have you thought about the second part of this? And we must believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're not seeking him for the rewards, but the the rewards are an extension of this relationship that we have with him. And so we we accept Christ and we say, well, now we're forgiven of all of our sins and we're going to live for eternity with him. But that's only part of it, right? That we can walk in the fullness of the blessings that God has for us, that we can have the peace and the joy and the comfort. And Jesus said, the thief is what come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you would have life in abundance. It's not just getting to heaven that we have abundant life for, but the here and now. I'm not saying that you're never going to have any challenges. I'm not saying you're going to be a millionaire. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that we can live the abundant life that Christ came to give. So when we're going through a circumstance or a situation, we're not focused on that. We're focused on him, and he will get us through. So we must believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him because he's a good, good father. He wants to bless us. Faith builds faith. Faith builds faith. And that's what I've seen in my life. As I begin to trust God and I begin to see God move, there's a story that I've shared with you guys about somebody coming to buy our house and we didn't even have a sign in the yard. The Lord said he was going to send somebody. When that happened, when God sent somebody to buy our house, you know what? That built my faith. I'm like, hey, he did it. He can do it again. And then when I prayed for a brand new truck and somebody you know, bought me a brand new truck, what did that do? That built my faith. I'm like, wait. I remember when he brought somebody to buy our house. We didn't even have a sign in the yard. And I remember the time I prayed, and the Lord told me he, he was going to make it happen. I got a brand new truck given to me. And then I remember a couple of years ago, we were praying for a car, and God sent somebody to, to buy us a brand new car. You know, see, I had greater faith because I'd seen him move the mountains. And I'd say, God, you can do it again, and again, and again, and again. But that takes faith as we begin to step out in faith, and we see him move And then we're like, well, wait a minute, I have more faith the next time. And it builds our faith. So faith is critically important. When I exercise my faith and I see the Lord do something miraculous, it builds my faith. So that's why faith is so critical, so important. I'm reminded of his faithfulness, his truth, his promises. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Again, three things will last forever. Forever, faith, hope, and love. Let's talk about hope. Let's go to Romans 8, 23. And we believe, I'm sorry, and we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children including the new bodies he's promised us when we get to heaven. 
we, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already had something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So that's the hope. Our hope is in Christ. So we know it's important to have faith. We know it's, our hope is important because if we don't have any hope, but the greatest is love. It's greater than faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. But love is greater. Jesus, help me to love others like you love them and you love me. That should be our prayer. Lord, help me to love others like you love others. Help me to really love others. Help me to be kind and not rude and not boastful. Help me to love others like you love them and you love me. And when we pray that prayer, I believe God does something because he does something in our hearts and he begins to, to change us and the way that we look at things and the way that we look at people and the love that we have for people. I believe God honors this prayer and changes our hearts to really love others. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.